This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for being here all week long. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. As we get set for the inauguration on the 20th and the confirmation of the Electoral College on the 6th, will something turn over for the president to this point? We don't know, but the vaccine, big rollout. Uh, an hour ago, the vice president of the United States got the vaccine to show everyone he's going to be okay, along with the second lady and the surgeon general. Uh, hopefully, we'll have that option soon as Moderna is about to get green lighted. Uh, so this is going to be a, a big hour, and the number to call, 1-866-408-7669. Admiral James Stavridis, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, will be with us shortly talk about that massive hack of our government operations, including our nuclear division. What does it mean? Maybe he can make heads or tails of it. In fact, I know he can. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. It's pretty hard to distinguish this from an act of aggression that rises to the level of an attack that qualifies as war. This is as destructive and broad scale an engagement with our military systems, our intelligence systems, as has happened in my lifetime. Well, pretty substantial. That's Chris Coons. A possible Russian hack and the China threat makes me wonder if the world is taking us on while we fight each other at home. In, in Swalwell News, he has gone silent about his ties to a China spy, which has cast doubt about him as a person and his party. Number two. How do you expect these people to survive? How are restaurants going to survive? Once you are in our program, we will pay whatever you need, the, the necessities you need, the money you need to get through this thing and give you a fair chance to run your business. Do you believe it's come to this? Dave Portnoy of Barstool helping out average everyday businesses. The fight against the lockdown lunacy gets some high-profile help as businesses just want to remain responsibly open as the virus rises. And Fauci again fails to be clear on a major policy when it comes to Christmas. What are you saying now about Moderna and could be a, vi uh, a vaccine option right away? Number one. We have great confidence in our son. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am not concerned about any accusations been made against him. It's used to get to me. I think it's kind of foul play. Oh, my goodness. Please don't go for that head fake. It's getting closer to Joe by the day. The hunt for the truth on Hunter. Mike just unearthed the truth about Joe and his new emails emerge showing Biden's ducking and dodging is not helping him. We will uh, derail. Will it derail the White House before he gets there? Uh, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. So let me tell you what's new. Uh, what's new is we know for the mo for the most part the American people, majority of which don't believe believe that this story was not covered prior to the election to help build Joe Biden's fortunes. So it f turns out there are some revelations now as it relates to the text messages and communications with the Biden family. Now, private citizen Joe Biden. Here we know Bobolinsky came forward and said the family asked me to run their fund. And, and provide information as he dealt with other government from Kazakhstan to Ukraine, but first and foremost, China. 
So now we have different text messages that uh, have emerged. This one dating back to 2017. Hunter's now ex-associate James Gillard and Tony Bobolinsky discussing the breakdown of the joint venture with the CEFC, which is linked to the Chinese government. He says, quote, the stakes have appeared to uh, uh, the stakes and appear to hint at discussions about getting the now president elect involved. So listen to this. In a back and forth over the terms of the company, Gilar on May 11, 2017, texts to Bobolinsky, quote, uh, man, you are right. Let's get the company set up. Then you tell H and family the stakes and get Joe involved. Biden repeatedly has denied being involved with his son's business dealings. But, man, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Meanwhile, here's another exchange, quote, April 30th, 2017. Uh, in another Bobolinsky text message, what is the deal with Jim Biden? As he wasn't part of the discussion, but now seems to be a focal point, Galar replied. With Hunter's demons, it could be good to have a backup. Meanwhile, he's got addictions. He strengthens our USP to Chinese as it looks like a truly family business. And I like the dude. All right. That leads to wondering, get Joe involved. Jim, his younger brother, is involved. We know Frank has been involved. We know the sister has been involved. But we're supposed to believe that there's no family involvement. Peter Schweitzer, who wrote about this last year, cut eight. They're using the tools of the vice presidency to get these deals. I mean, Hunter flew over on Air Force Two to Beijing. Uh, You know, you don't think on the, what, 20-hour flight uh, that father and son didn't have a conversation about what Hunter was doing there and that when Hunter introduced him to his Chinese business partner on that trip, there were no questions asked? Of course they were. I mean, all you have to do is look at Joe Biden's statements over the years, over the decades of how close the family is and Jill Biden's statements that Hunter is kind of the heartbeat of the family. And it starts to create this, this, you know, picture. I applaud the fact that the Bidens are a close-knit family, but you can't say you're a close-knit family and be a close-knit family, but then pretend that these commercial deals are never discussed. There's no conversation. There's no interaction. And look, if he's a private citizen, what's illegal? What's what is not right? But what is the problem? If he's trading on the family name, if he's getting access to a sitting executive, excuse me, sitting politician who happens to be vice president, that seems to have happened when there's no denial about a gap in a schedule and a meeting that said took place. When Hunter's got two partners who are now in jail and is being investigated in at least two different ways, Manhattan, Pittsburgh and Delaware for tax evasion. And we have text messages that shows he hasn't paid $400,000 in taxes about a Ukrainian deal with Burisma. While Joe Biden is, according to Barack Obama, really in charge of Ukraine because the Russians came in, took a portion of that country and didn't leave. Other big news, the vaccine, Moderna, got an okay from the FDA, officially greenlighted to use as early as this weekend. I know it's an emergency, but do you know it's an emergency? The panel voted yesterday 20 to 0 with one abstention that the safety and efficacy of the vaccine outweigh the risks for the individual 18 and older. Good. You said that earlier. We could have had this done all week. This should have been green-lighted on Tuesday. And if you say, what's the big deal? Don't give me the daily death count, hospitalization count, and case count if you think it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm glad the FDA picked up the pace, but they're still way too slow. 
Now, Johnson & Johnson is queuing up. AstraZeneca is working out a few kinks. And as I mentioned, the vice president got his shot. So this is good news. Now, Anthony Fauci has to do this thing called have a press conference and tell me your policy. Not have an interview, and then we have to disseminate what you mean. So two days ago, he tells us, don't go have Christmas. I'm not having Christmas. I'm not seeing my adult kids. So then Bill Hemmer gets Anthony Fauci on and basically says, can you please tell me what you're recommending? Cut nine. You know, I'm not saying that that everyone should cancel the family gathering. I'm saying that people will need to make individual choices. And when you're talking about having a congregate setting for a dinner, not cancel the family aspect, but, you know, you have some Christmas dinners, people bring friends and others in who've traveled from different parts of the country. You could have 15, 20 people at a dinner. That's really somewhat risky. You can do a modified version of that. You don't have to cancel things. Okay. Uh, two days ago, he's telling us, don't have Christmas. Sometimes he tells us to be optimistic. Sometimes he says we're going to have a winter of a dark winter. And that's what happens when you're conversational, you're approachable, people like you. But if you're, if you're going to be on these leaders to watch their words because it means so much, then you got to watch your words because it means so much. I think he's the most overrated public official I've ever seen. So meanwhile, you should make it clear to all these governors, no reason to shut down schools, make it clear. There's no reason to shut down businesses if you're going by the data that is the fifth largest spreader of the virus and the numbers of people that go out to dinner, dine indoors, below 2%, 1.04%, but you shut everything down. So we're watching all these businesses by the thousands go down. This is how pathetic it's gone. Now people on GoFundMe pages are hopping on shows like this one and on a television network saying, hey, I got a bowling alley I can't open up, even though they can open up. 20 minutes away from me in another state. Hey, I got a restaurant in Minnesota, and they close me down. But just a half hour away in North Dakota, they go out to eat. So it's got to the point where we'll watch all these businesses die in the vine, and people like Dave Portnoy of Barstool has put together his own fund to help. This is unbelievable. Cut 11. How do you expect these people to survive? How are restaurants going to survive? They're already on their last legs and you're pulling the plug on them. And nobody seems to care in the government. Or at least they're not doing anything, acting like they care. No plan, no relief, no bailout. We're going to do what we can. To qualify for money from us, you have to still be paying your employees. Your payroll has to be on. If February rolls around and we're no better, March, each month we will continue to cut you a check for how much you need to stay in business till this thing's over. I don't care how I get the money. If I need to raise more money, if I have to pay it myself, whatever it is, I'll get creative. But once you are in our program, we will pay whatever you need, the, the necessities you need, the money you need to get through this thing and give you a fair chance to run your business. And, and that is unbelievable. There's more people doing that. These GoFundMe pages are sustaining people. And Portnoy has already named a couple of places that are going to be the beneficiary. It starts with $500,000. We'll try to get him on again. He's been on before. But a self-made success story. No one gave him a thing. I think he got fired from his last job and spun out on his own. He said, if I started my business right now, as, as much as, as lucrative as Barstool is, I would be down for the count. So now there's an aid package coming out, we think, of $900 billion, I hope, 
You know, it's got 600-hour stimulus checks for millions of Americans, 10 weeks of jobless aid, which is great, $330 billion in small business assistance, which I think will be okay. It depends on what every business gets and if it's a loan or a grant and money for vaccine distribution and funding for a range of other programs. What it doesn't have, and I feel bad about, liability insurance. So if you bring people back to work at Citibank, at TD Bank, or at uh, Morgan Stanley, if you bring people back to work to work, and they happen to get the virus. If you're going to turn around and get sued, it's not going to be worth it. So everyone stays at home, which means you're not going to be as productive, which means no one's going to be using public transportation, which means no one's going out for lunch or staying late, means nothing's going to happen with the economy. So for some reason, Democrats don't see that. But uh, Democrats like the governor of New York, even though we're flat on our backs as a state economy, is still going to force the raising of minimum wage. So take a small business hurt it, almost kill it, and then double everybody's salary. Because if you up minimum wage, the people getting the other wages, they are going to want raises, and who can blame them? Listen, I see you lining up for the phones right now. Great. one 408 We're going to take your calls when we come back. Uh, and if anybody wants uh, to listen, if you have to leave your local affiliate, com. Don't move. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. 
In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's been a slow burn for me, to be honest, but I have come to the point where, you know, Candace mentioned irredeemable and deplorable. There's a new word for 40 million people in this country, non-essential. And it's crazy. We have deemed a giant hunk of our people essentially one click away from unimportant or worthless. Especially where you are with Mike Rowe is out in California, who is Mr. Blue Collar Guy, and he get, get most of his, you know, the people on his speed dial uh, work nine to five for a living. And in, I think his words are, when they come home, they have to take a shower uh, because they're dirty and they're sweaty. Uh, they're not in suits. And they're all scrambling. Sharon, listen on WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Sharon. Hello, Brian. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, my question—I don't have a question. I just have a comment. I know that you've said you just can't wait to get the vaccine um, because you just want to get life back to normal again. Yep. And my uh, my statement is, what is normal? Because if you listen to Fauci and like Bill Gates, and I don't even know what he has to do with any of this, why we should listen to him. But the doctors on CNN and the other news stations—they're all saying that there is going to be no normalcy just because you get the vaccine. You're still going to have to wear a mask, social distance. We're probably not going to be going to big events and everything. Well, until we get to 75%. Year. Until we get to 75%. Well, well, who's going to know that? And besides that, you're out taking something that you basically know nothing about. The doctors, even including Fauci, they say they don't know how it's going to protect you, if it's going to protect you. Well, and I, don't, I don't think that's the exact do- statement. What they do is when you have a new vaccine, whether it's Elvis in 1954 taking it in uh, 1954, taking it on Ed Sullivan's show to show people it's safe, uh, you do, you trust. I mean, right now, if, if someone said that you had cancer— you're going to go through a series of treatments. You're going to research it. You're going to find out what's going to work, and not everything's going to work. But you trust the medicine by the type of the system that gets it to us makes that choice viable. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to decide, oh, the FDA that okayed it, the CDC that went through it, the biotech companies with this incredible reputation like Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, and Moderna. Now we don't trust them because I like if the government said – I came up with a vaccine, a little worried. But when the free market tells me that we've done it, we've invested in it, they're now involved in it, and it could go the direction of Boeing if they screw up, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, life is full of risks. I, I have no idea if driving to work today I was going to hit a patch of ice and, and slam into a pole. But it was risky after the, the, everything turns to ice. After, but I'm going to go. Because to get back to life, you got to have a little bit of risk. So uh, I love the technology. I love what they did. I'm in. Joe, listen on WRCN. Joe. Brian, good morning, my friend. Merry Christmas. Back Happy at you, Joe. And all that stuff. God bless. Listen, Trump Pin's motto, 
is never surrendered a republic. This is our creed. Never surrendered a republic to communists. Liberty at all costs. Any Republican that doesn't object to those uh, state electors on January 6th, Trump, 50 million Trumplicans will run them out of office. Mitch McConnell and those rhinos will not save you. Joe Scarborough tried to threaten uh, Senator-elect Tuberville this morning. I happened to catch it. Quite the contrary, sir. Any congressman who doesn't stand up and object to a fraudulent election to save this republic, you're going to see a backlash. This Republican Party will be so fractured, the new party, Trumplican Party, will form Brian, we are trying to save the republic. Why would this is all legal in the Constitution? They did not put this stuff in Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 3 for fluff. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's in there. So, so Joe, I, I think to, for everyone to know, uh, I think it's July, uh, January 6th, they're going to have the electors report, make it official, Joe Biden's the next president. And you're saying that Republicans are going to stand up. Uh, Matt Gates is certainly one of them. Mo Brooks is another. And they're going to protest. But they're not going to win. You know that, right? Why? Why? No, I don't. It's all in the Constitution. Have you read the last but, part? No, they, but they, they don't have enough numbers. They don't need the numbers. It goes to the state elected, correct? Or educate me. It doesn't. At that no, point, I mean, you, you basically you have to have enough numbers uh, stand up and protest, and they're not going to have it. They're not going to have the majority of the Senate. I mean, you have. I mean, basically, even people that are close to the president, the ship has sailed. The president has not, the president's legal team, prior or after, has not done enough to show that the numbers are great and the fraud is so prevalent that it's not going to work. He was let down by his legal team. He should have channeled Dominion earlier. And these judges, many of which he put in place, are not hearing these cases. And the ones that did hear it are not buying it to the levels that are going to overturn it. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. China is running a huge influence operation, as we've seen over the last couple of days revealed with the Eric Swalwell. Well, it gets a lot more serious than Eric Swalwell, because you've got Gina McCarthy at Natural Resources Defense Council and probably other environmental groups. And, you know, a couple of years ago, as you mentioned, Congress was investigating whether China is funding these groups to basically wreck America through their advocacy for regulation, especially climate regulation. You know, climate is the big deal. Climate, as President Trump has pointed out, it's got nothing to do with the environment. It's got nothing to do with the climate. It's all about, you know, ensnaring the American economy in onerous regulation that's going to make us less competitive versus Europe, but will help, you know, China meet its goal of being the lone superpower by 2049. So do you understand what China's doing that Russia did in 2016? They didn't just say, I'm anti-American. They looked at America and said, what's dividing America? Well, Republicans and Democrats. All right, so let's foment 
disdain between them. All right, fine. Number two, racial disparity, racial unrest. So they were coming up and, and staging rallies using bots, and people would show up out in front of Trump Tower. Michael Moore went to some of them. So now, with this Steve Malloy is saying, who's an EPA uh, on the transition team for the president, he's saying that China's looking at this and saying, what could help us? What could help us is for America, this, this great energy power now, superpower, with fracking, oil and gas, the way we're drilling. We could have them stop that. So let's start backing candidates that go for clean energy. Let's stop backing candidates that want to stop drilling. Really? So let's start backing candidates that want to take cities and bring build bike lanes and prevent cars from coming in. So you don't know that. And this seems like a great issue if you're a Democrat. But it's a bad issue for the country, which I've been saying all along. And Steve Malloy brought that up. It's like they're looking at issues now. They don't have to be anti-pro-China. That's too obvious. Let's do things that keep America distracted. Marco Rubio, who I think if there's the next Republican president should make him secretary of state, cut 31. Months ago, we started saying the fact that China was wanted to or had intentions to at least be in a position to interfere in elections. And I mean by that everything from putting out narratives to divide us against each other. Uh, we also know that uh, they, they had people out there sort of trying to work to inject things in the public discourse or potentially be in a position to do it. Now, obviously, you know, like you said, I'm not in a position to talk about all of it. Suffice it to say that the Chinese are capable of doing anything any other country in the world can do. And I would argue that in some cases they have the ability to do far more. So we're looking at their military. We worry. We saw them steamroll Hong Kong during the pandemic. It worked to their advantage. We watched them shun the world as they poisoned the world. We watched them intimidate the WHO, so they praised them while never getting an answer to how this started and where it started. Do you know that when this virus hit in Wuhan, the first thing they did is hose and sterilize everything, which you might think is a good move, but it stops anyone from finding out where this thing started. So they basically went and cleansed the crime scene. That's not somebody that wants to be transparent. And now you have Democrats saying China is a distraction, blaming them for the virus is a distraction. That's nuts. It's insane. And then you think, OK, I'm worried about the South China Sea. I'm worried about Taiwan. I'm worried about their influence with uh, 5G. All good stuff. But they didn't stop there. They're also trying to interview uh, influence our university system. By taking spots away from us, they write big checks. We're supposed to trust their grades, that they belong in these elite universities from Stanford to Harvard. Cut 30. A lot of these students that are spying don't consider themselves spies. They're here. They're serving their country. Many are even linked to the military. They, they're researchers. They steal secrets and take it back. And then you've got American researchers who have openly just sold their research and oftentimes leaving to China with it, other times just selling it to them. Uh, and, and in many cases, it wasn't illegal or wasn't prosecuted. This is a big, big challenge. We have a lot of work ahead of us. Let me tell you something. Do you think we're a weak country if we stop letting Chinese students into Brown or Stanford or Berkeley? Why are we letting them in? I understand these private university needs revenue. But our elite universities are more open to Chinese than they are to us. Why they're letting in, knowing that they have this track record, they are, should be on our enemies list. Let's just admit it. This is beyond a Cold War now. We have to fully understand, Democrats and Republicans, elections aside, who our enemy is. Let's debate how to stop it. And let's do most of that behind closed doors. What I look at 
is this 2015 defensive briefing that Eric Swalwell got, that Mo uh, Kahana Rahana got over in California, that Tulsi Gabbard got in Hawaii, that they were being targeted as promising, talented, young up-and-comers, Democrats, by the way, and they're being infiltrated. Attempts or successes being infiltrated happened in 2015. I don't know one anti thing that Eric Swal anti Chinese thing that Eric Swalwell ever stood for, and yet when it came down to the second term congressman being named to a committee, he gets this prestigious committee. If you don't think that warrants questions, you are just so blindly partisan. You think everybody's out to get you. Cut twenty eight. Trey Gowdy. There are 230 Democrats, and you mean to tell me she cannot find a single one that didn't date a Chinese spy? There's no one else that she could pick other than Swalwell? I think what's got the House intel Republicans frustrated is we listened to him for years. He berated Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr. for meeting with a Russian lawyer, not dating one, meeting with one. And, and then he berates Devin Nunes for a phone call with Leb Parnas. And he calls the president an agent of Russia. Meanwhile, for four years, the guy's not smart enough to know he's being played by a Chinese spy. And that's the best Nancy Pelosi can do. She's got to add, uh, Kevin McCarthy's being relentless for this. And Nancy Pelosi erroneously said at a presser, all Republican leadership leaders were briefed about this at the same time. Kevin McCarthy goes, excuse me, no, not true. You know when he's getting briefed? Today. Trey Gowdy said something earlier, though. You think that line was good, John, uh, that Donald Trump Jr. was berated for meeting with the Russian, not dating one? Listen to this. The relationship, when did it start? How did it start? I mean, Swalwell should be smart enough to know that any time a woman comes up to him and expresses a romantic interest, something's up. <laughs> Best line ever. Best line ever. Uh, from a colleague, Trey Gowdy. He should have been suspicious. So, huge news, and that's what we're going to talk about. We could talk about this any day, every day, but I just hope, and there was some thoughts that when the president came in tough on China, a lot of Republicans were upset. They're saying, let's just compete. Let's not declare war. Let's see if we could get this. Uh, let them understand that we're not their enemy. That ship has sailed. That destroyer is gone. The aircraft carrier no longer they are rivals in every way. And thank goodness that some Europeans, Australians are understanding that we are not the enemy. They need us. The enemy is China. And we have to stop being pure capitalists where we see China and see billions of people in a big market. We got to stop giving up our intellectual property and access to our products for short-term gains. Can I ask us to be a little bit less greedy? I think so. Be competitive, but also be patriotic. one 408 The other thing I want to talk about is the most impactful runoff race in the history of the world, and that is happening in Georgia. Karl Rove is in charge. That makes me feel good for Republicans because they have two candidates infinitely better, and you would think more acceptable for Georgians than Reverend Warnock as well as John Ossoff. You have David Perdue, very successful senator, and Kelly Leffler, a successful businesswoman who won over Brian Kemp. Doug Collins would have been a much better candidate, no doubt, but Leffler got more of the votes, so she's in. They have to win. Why they're only up by a point on the Emerson poll, I don't know. 
I got to wonder what Georgians are thinking because this is in close to moderate. As I mentioned on TV, if it's Doug Jones, who's a moderate in Alabama, he voted against Donald Trump the whole time. But let's say somewhat moderate Joe Manchin pretends to be a moderate in West Virginia. I say, wow, you know, they're blurring the lines in Georgia. But this is way left. And Karl Rove says when it comes to John Ossoff, you have to understand this documentarian has got China links. Cut 36. Ossoff's interesting. He hid it. He had when he began his Senate campaign to lay out all of the customers and clients of his media production company making documentaries. And he did lay out that nine out of his 10 first projects were paid for by the gutter government, the Mideast government that underwrites Al Jazeera. In fact, it was Al Jazeera itself who was the client. But what he did not reveal was that he'd also done work for a Chinese media company which has as a minority stockholder the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party. So he waited until after the Democratic primary and then filed an amendment to his filing with the Senate Ethics Office and laid out that he'd gotten paid money by this by this Chinese company, which, again, is owned in part by the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, this you can't make this stuff up. It's unbelievable. Listen, this guy who lost the congressional race, he lost the Senate race by two points but didn't go over 50 percent to David Perdue. If Perdue has got to beat this guy, He's not, it's not that he's not talented. He's channeling Barack Obama. He's got a questionable background, a weak background, but he's a decent speaker. But come on. Look what Karl Rove just outlined. David Perdue, call him up and beat this guy, please. He goes on. Cut 37. One of the reasons I feel good about the Republican effort in Georgia is the longer it goes on, the more it becomes apparent. I mean, we got we got Ossoff saying, I out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Roe. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Like Bernie Sanders, I want him to be the chairman of the budget committee. What's that going to do to every military installation in the state of Georgia? We got two guys who believe in raising taxes. What's that going to do to Georgia? Georgia's a dynamic growing economy, and they're going to be taxing Georgia businesses, taxing Georgia savings, taxing Georgia retirement, taxing paychecks. I mean, it is going to be nutty if these two, two, two guys win, and that's why I think at the end of the day they don't. I would hope so. You want Bernie Sanders ahead of the budget committee? You want Lindsey Graham? Think about that. Is that a tough choice? A socialist that just wants to take all your money away and vilify success. He's in the wrong country. Nikki Haley, who certainly will run for president if Donald Trump does in 2024, cut 38. We have to have a strong Senate that's going to make sure not only are we strong on foreign policy, but is also going to make sure that we don't turn over um, the budget committee to Bernie Sanders or allow AOC to get away with what she says. If they win the Senate, they will have full power to negotiate. So a lot at stake. Yeah, no kidding. I, I want to hear more for Nikki Haley. We got to call her up and get her on. one 408 So when we come back, I'll take your calls, I promise, and we'll find out if there's more to know. Uh, busy hour. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, from Jacksonville to Virginia to Orlando, we'll be making all those stops. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you think that was real, you probably also think that Tom Cruise performs his own stunts and he really did fly those jets in <laughs> Top Gun. Because, I mean, that, that, that whole thing just, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, 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 no. Get out. Get out. You're not wearing a mask. I'm doing a show right now. Get out. <laughs> anyway. I, uh, you know, look. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with Kilmeade, you know, hanging out watching the show. But when he's not wearing a mask, it just gets on my nerves. Jeez! Oh, I'm on Fox and Friends. I've been here for 20 years. We don't care, Kilmeade. Sorry, lost well, my train of thought. What's Kilmeade doing in your time. van? Uh, <laughs> so I've so asked Jesse. myself that a lot, Dana. Okay. This is the first time I'm hearing this. That was last night at the five. I know since Juan Williams tested positive, they separated them all. So he was pretending like I was walking in. That was two nights ago. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. Uh, today, I'm supposed to tape a, a segment on Tom Cruise for Jesse Waters show. I'm not really sure why I'm the perfect person, although people have compared my dimples to his dimples. Yeah, and you're and you're, you're, and I do you're, my dare, own you're a daredevil like him too. Right, you do your own stunts when you walk into the studio. That's you. It's not a stuntman opening the door. No, it's, it's you. not. I do. It's you. But I mean, what is my take on this? My sense is he. I don't know for sure. And I got to do the research. My sense is he was way on the line in this, and he he was making all these calls, and he is highly stressed, and he feels good about getting all these people back to work, but the the anger way over the top and the fact that it wasn't one time this is the second time and seven people have quit i mean by the way if someone yells at you like that could you stay eric does it all mm. the time and i i, and I don't do know why stay. i'm still here i don't know why if would you stay pete if you were yelled at like that would you stay it depends i mean if i'm following the protocols what if you weren't what if you were wrong I would st- I would stay. I would apologize. I would say, listen, I you know but you're you can't right. Be, but don't you feel as though he went over the top? Was he screaming too much? I'm gonna fire you. Look, I mean, yeah, to- I don't think I would have done it that way, like George Clooney had said. But I can understand his frustration. He's got he's getting these people employed. There, I mean, Hollywood is basically looking to him. He's the big movie that's in production. Right. What are the big movies are, are working right now? Right. Batman had to shut down because somebody tested positive for COVID. So I mean, he's the big studio that's going on right now. I guess there's no there's no Porky's in the making right now. Like, is there a Porky Six? I think they should work on a Porky Six. Right. I think. What, they, do you have an idea for what the script should be after the Revenge movie? I think in one, there should be a lot of drinking. Okay. A lot of dating, uh-huh. and then they all uh, get together at the end. What about a crossover with Animal House? Uh, I don't think it'll work. Okay. Um, and Eric, the only reason we're nice to Eric because no one knows, no one can replace him really. That's true. He gets away with. He does get away. It's you not that we what like he gets him. away with here. <laughs> he gets away with so much because he's, of that. Because he's, he's, he's the only. He likes the only one. He's got facial recognition on the board, so he's the only one that could open up. <laughs> he sabotages the board. Yeah, that's the only way. Tony, listen on WDVO in Orlando. Hey, Tony. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Hey, Brian. I loved your last segment on China. Yep. Um, I I truly believe everything you said. And, and even more, 
But the problem is, is that President Trump should have been saying this six months ago. We should, he should have been a lot stronger on China. This was his 9-11, and I believe he dropped the ball. We Not really. I mean, he's the only one saying China virus and Kung flu, and people were blaming him. Adam Schiff came and, out and said it's a distraction to blame China. So I think he was pretty tough. What he was trying to do is he was in the middle of getting a great trade deal. We had phase one, and the tariffs were go, working. There you go, Brian, that trade deal. I don't want to hear Kung Flu. I don't want to hear China virus or whatever you want to call it. I want to see President Trump rip up that trade deal and show that we're not going to buy any more PPE for the infection that you gave us. That would have been something that we would have rallied against instead of Tom Cruise yelling at his crew and we're all at each other's throats. China right now is winning. While we're, while we're in the slumps, we're, we're almost in a, in a, on the verge of going into another recession. Brian. But you, everything you said is correct, except for if you were up at the trade deal, you immediately hurt farmers and the purchases. They've done about two-thirds of what they were supposed to do. So don't make the farmers go flat on their back. You execute this, and you put pressure elsewhere. Uh, Tony, thank you. It's frustrating, absolutely frustrating. Let's find out there's more to know. More to know. Well, it turns out five staffers reportedly quit after Tom Cruise launches another rant. I heard he's actually up to seven. The first outburst was, was big, but things uh, haven't calmed down since. He has now decided to go on vacation. Uh, he's taking an early Christmas yeah. vacation now. Next. Happy Days star Don Most says, Donnie Most, says Scott Baio was way out of line criticizing the reunion fundraiser because of his political beliefs. The actor outspoken Donald Trump's supporter uh, said the event was promoting socialism and Marxism. Bayo has also called out uh, Ron Howard on Twitter after Howard announced the reunion, writing, What a shame to use a classic show like Happy Days about Americana to promote an anti-American socialist agenda. Hashtag shameful. Keep in mind, there was 50 million people watching Happy Days back then. I think that show that show is iconic, and everybody from that show is, is known around the world to this day. I know. Uh, and Joni loves Chachi even better than Happy Days. <laughs> Some say. That uh... is not true. I'm only kidding. Just like Archie's place wasn't as good as All in the Family. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll have Geraldo Rivera in a matter of moments. And historian Jay Winnick of the New York Times. He wrote 1865 and 1944. I'm going to focus on his knowledge of 1865 because in one of the most strangest but sadly too typical stories out there today in San Francisco, they are taking Abraham Lincoln's name off a high school because he didn't like black people enough. Do you believe this? That is in America. So I think that Jay Winnick has to break down something with me that I think we all should have known already, that Abe Lincoln was as enlightened as any man in America in the 1860s. He saved America. Why I have to explain that, I don't know. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. It's pretty hard to distinguish this from an act of aggression that rises to the level of an attack that qualifies as war. 
This is as destructive and broad scale an engagement with our military systems, our intelligence systems, as has happened in my lifetime. Senator Chris Coons, a possible Russian hack and the China threat make me wonder if the world is taking us on while we fight with each other at home. In Swalwell News, he has gone silent about his ties to China and that Chinese spy, which has cast out about him as a person and his party. Number two. How do you expect these people to survive? How are restaurants going to survive? Once you are in our program, we will pay whatever you need, the, the necessities you need, the money you need to get through this thing and give you a fair chance to run your business. Barstool founder Dave Portnoy set up a $500,000 fund. The fight against this lockdown lunacy gets some high-profile help. Just want to remain responsibly open to Christmas, uh, through Christmas, while the vaccine is out there. The virus rises. Fauci, again, fails to be clear on a major policy on Christmas. What are you saying now as Moderna is queued up uh, and what he said two days ago? Number one. We have great confidence in our son. Uh, I am not concerned about any accusations been made against him. It's used to get to me. I think it's kind of foul play. Question is, did it get to him? It's getting closer to Joe by the day. The hunt for the truth on Hunter might just unearth the truth about Joe as new emails and text messages emerge showing Biden's ducking and dodging is not helping him. Will it derail his White House before he gets there? Let's bring in Geraldo Rivera, who in the Washington Post today was hailed as the voice of reason at Fox. Geraldo, did you see that? I, I just got it. I'm very uh, pleased that the Washington Post has written a, a positive article. Uh, I'm shocked uh, as well, Brian, as you can imagine. I, I wasn't contacted for the article, uh, but I'm very pleased with the way that it turned out. Yeah. So first off, on the lockdowns, you believe that these restaurants should be closed, even though the percentage of positive infections is below 2 percent, 1.04, the fifth largest cause of a spreader? Uh, first, uh, I have to give you my uh, my, my Manchurian candidate uh, theory. I, I think that Congressman Swalwell, Hunter Biden, and Michael Abinetti, the corrupt lawyer, are all the same person. They, it, you've never seen them all in the same room, right? So they do seem the same guy. Same attitude, <laughs> and all <laughs> fell on their face. Same sleazy uh, uh, demeanor. You know, you just look at it. Oh my God. Uh, so I, I, you know, on the restaurants, you and I have a different emphasis, I, uh, Brian. I mean, I, I, you're a very sincere person. And I know that you uh, are reflecting the uh, the pain and the anguish of these small business owners. Uh, I just look at the death toll every 30 seconds, uh, over 3,000 every day. Uh, you know, and, and I understand how in, incompetent or inconsistent so many mayors and governors are. But, my God, if you were in that job, you'd be flailing around trying to do something. You're trying to save your people. You know, I, I got a call from Gabriel, my son, in uh, Santa Monica yesterday, last night, and he said that there's zero capacity available in the ICUs in Southern California. I mean, imagine that. If you need the ICU in Southern California, you have to wait in the lobby or on a gurney someplace until they can free up a bed because there's zero capacity because of COVID. They've got you know, the vaccines are coming. The cavalry is coming. We see the end of the uh, uh, this uh, long national nightmare. But uh, uh, and, and I think these owners should be compensated. Give them give them the grants, uh, uh, give them the cash grants. If you've got a restaurant that does so much gross and we force you to close, uh, then uh, the government's got to pay them. Well, here's my analogy. Here's my analogy. Number one, 
if I'm the governor of that state and I haven't asked for that hospital ship, I'm a, I'm an even worse governor than to begin with. Number two, you set up uh, extra hospitals. You do the best you can. You flood the zone with nurses just like we did uh, in the spring. Number two, if I have an ACL surgery uh, and they say, okay, oh, excuse me, if I have um, if I have arm surgery, shoulder surgery, they say, well, I don't want a doctor tell me I can't walk either. They're like, okay, well, don't throw and don't walk. Excuse me, why can't I walk? I don't know, because I just don't want you to throw. If they said that famously, my other analogy is with Pete Rose. Pete Rose going through a, a horrible divorce. Everyone publicly skewering him every day during the zenith of his career. And they said, Pete, how could you be going through a divorce and hitting 340? And he says, I'd rather go through a divorce hitting 340 than 240. And you don't have to uh, expedite the pain because there's pain. You compensate. I get your I get your uh, analogies, your metaphors. They're always very colorful and well drafted. But uh, my idea is pay them, pay them. You got to pay them. You close twenty one. My God, how can you close twenty one on Fifty Second Street, uh, my favorite restaurant on earth, and that's closed, maybe permanently? Uh, why not give the owner of twenty one enough money so he could pay his staff? Uh, and, and the, the McDonald's also, wherever you are. Geraldo, you do you know where the number off? one spreader is? The number one spreader of this virus? Indoor private events. They are 1.04 positive effect, slightly over that in places like Michigan. Positive tests from restaurants. You are forcing people back to their super spreader events. People got to convene. You can't sit on your hands for a year. You can't stop a food chain. What are farmers going to do with their food if no one's in a restaurant to have it? Do you walk into these restaurants with the plexiglass and the gloves and the masks and the kitchen and the spreading out of tables? They've done it. They're not the problem. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I know that they have mobile morgues outside of, you know, Elmhurst Hospital again. Uh, you've got to. I, I think that we're at war with this virus now. So, it so could be marginal, shelter in place, marginal, marginal impact. Like in World War II, they had blackouts. Uh, they they shut the lights so they wouldn't see uh, what's happening in uh, in cities as far inland as Milwaukee and Chicago. You know, uh, you you do whatever you can. You do whatever you can and just root for the scientists. But don't make it root worse for the administration. You know, I I I, I am not. I I don't know. Whether or not what they're trying to do will have any impact. Yeah, how about that? But Geraldo, while while you think about it, why do why why does do my business have to, why does my business have to die while you figure out that shutting down Bill's Diner is why not, not more dangerous than Bill, Target? You're, you're why are you sending me to Costco? My, why are you sending me to Costco? You make them you make them whole by giving them. If you can give uh, six hundred dollars to the people who are unemployed in a cash. Uh, lump sum or weekly, whatever they're going to do, then you could do that for restaurant owners and these other small businesses as well. I think that they they still, as as far as I recall, they have hundreds of billions of dollars unspent in this program. I, I, I you you got a bunch of phonies who are uh, fraudulently asking for federal money, and a lot of good people who don't know the vehicle for their salvation. And uh, I, I think that. You've got to have a you've got to have a balance. I I personally, and Erica and and and, uh, and me, we won't go into a restaurant now. Right now, uh, it it seems so. Uh, you know, we we walk in even with distancing and all the rest of it. You just look around. You don't know who's sick, who's not sick. Uh, I I just think that uh, 
you got to do the best. You got to do the best you can in these very, very tough right. Times. And that means but working I, through I it. You for your, I love right. you for your your passion. I think that you're one of the most sincere people I've ever known. And I know that you are in anguish over the pain that this is causing. And I understand also that you suspect the science is uh, is not in favor of these lockdowns. Well, you know, I get you know all that. And I'll pivot. And I, I appreciate. It. We just yeah, yeah, we disagree. I tell you the truth. There's just so much inconsistency in it. Uh, I I can't take it anymore. And the thing is, if I I you know you want me to take action during the World War II, men go to fight, the women go to work, everybody's rolling up tinfoil. We're taking action now. The action is no action, and now you have one out of every four kids in California has contemplated suicide because this idiot governor is going against the science and keeping kids out of school. So they're making do virtual school, which is virtually no school. So we're getting dumber and we're all getting weaker because we can't work out. We can't work and we can't go to school. Don't tell me that's the best we can do as a country. That is awful. Zero capacity in the ICU in L.A., Brian. That's for real. That's for real. And, uh, you know, if you save a couple of lives shutting down schools, by next June, July, no one's going to remember. It'll be over, and maybe a couple of people will be alive as a result of some of these clumsy efforts, Brian. Uh, Anthony Fauci, you know, they were all over the president. They say you got to be precise, and there's got to be precision in your language. Everyone's watching you, Mr. President. And Anthony Fauci could not be more imprecise on a daily basis. He doesn't call press conferences. He gives interviews. The smallest, the biggest. And he contradicts himself all the time. Two days ago, he says, I am not, I wrote this down. He said, I, would, I am not going to see any of my grandkids. I believe we should all stay at home. Uh, it can't be business as usual. He'll likely back to normal by next Christmas. Okay, likely. That's an interesting word for a scientist. And then he realizes you basically told everybody not to have Christmas. And he said this to Bill Hemmer yesterday, cut nine. You know, I'm not saying that that everyone should cancel the family gathering. I'm saying that people will need to make individual choices. And when you're talking about having a congregate setting for a dinner, not cancel the family aspect, but, you know, you have some Christmas dinners People bring friends and others in who've traveled from different parts of the country. You could have 15, 20 people at a dinner. That's really somewhat risky. You can do a modified version of that. You don't have to cancel things. What's he talking about? Using logic? Hey, well, let me, tell you, let me explain what I do in my house. In my house, we have a, a big pool room. Uh, so we, when we have people over, we have a maximum of six. We have two long tables. So everybody is like six feet apart, at least, and it's a it's a it's a congregate setting in a sense, but it's also a, a sensible one, and it's almost impossible for someone to spread a virus in that kind of uh, arrangement that I've just described. And you know, I the, I I am so anguished over the old lady that lives on the sixth floor walk up, who's afraid to go downstairs. Like in my old building in New York on Madison Avenue. We had uh, there's a COVID case on every floor. So you get in the elevator, you're just worried about it. You know, it's very. These are these are. This is hasn't happened since 1918. So it's a hundred years that we haven't had this kind of plague hit us. It's a pandemic. It's worldwide. People are dying everywhere. Macron, the French president, is now positive. Uh, you know, it's 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 the kind of thing. I feel like it's just like the erosion of privacy. 
that it, it, sooner or later, everybody's going to get this damn thing unless they get vaccinated. So yeah. we're all praying and holding our breath and waiting for our place in line. Right? And I, did you know 99.4% of the people are going to survive it? They get it. Yeah, yeah but I'm 77. You know, uh, maybe I won't. Look at what happened with uh, our, our, our dear friend, our, our associate. And I don't want to name him because I'm not sure that he, he's gone public, but uh, uh, he's 60 years old, a cancer survivor. Uh, you know, it's uh, you. You're afraid. You're afraid. If you get it, you're afraid that it's going to kill you. I mean, you're right, 99 or whatever it is. Uh, but those are the kids, right. and, uh, you know, people strapping strong, athletic people like you. But but, uh, but you here's know, the thing, though. The are, thing uh, is, you just said it, and uh, you just said it. We agree. You know what you're comfortable with. I am not forcing. You to go to Target, thank goodness, in this era of delivery. I'm not forcing you to even go out to eat in this era of Uber Eats. I'm not forcing you to go to Costco or Target or a restaurant. You say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm this age. I have this. I, you know, I, I got this condition. I, this is what I'm comfortable with. If we mandated that, that's fine. But to tell a 23-year-old in perfect health who's a, who's a Division One volleyball player that they can't go to school and they can't play sports— even though they're going to do all the protocol, that's an overcompensation. It creates uh, – it, it just, to me, it's much more negative than positive. A 23-year-old elite athlete is not going to have a problem, so let him or her live their life responsibly. But, Geraldo I, – I, I don't think – like, I don't think Sweden is working out. They, that's their policy, and I don't think it's working out there. Uh, for them, they, they, well, where they is it? Were, uh, where is it? Where I mean, the thing is, I I don't know. I, I you got to be able to live your life to a degree. I'm watching baseball. I'm watching football. They're they're living. They're they're doing protocols. They deal with their virus and they move on. They got two infections. They they because they shut it down for a couple of days. They move on. They don't quit. We can't quit. We can't the quit for school for a reason. Right. The stands are empty for a reason, but they're playing. They're taking in what they would tell me what I have to deal with, deal with, and then give me the ball. Give me the ball. Let me play. Uh, thanks, Rob. going to be in the playoffs. Who is Cleveland? I know. They, they look great. I watched them play against Jacksonville. <laughs> Geraldo Rivera, thanks so much. Stay healthy. Thank you, Brian. All Merry right. Christmas. I love and, you. And, uh, yeah, big story about Geraldo. Great story of Geraldo in the Washington Post today. Back in a moment. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, coming up shortly, Jay Winnick, we're going to put in perspective this war on history that we're experiencing now as uh, Abraham Lincoln's name comes off a high school in San Francisco. I mean, is California just too far gone to be part of the union anymore? Uh, let's go to, where do you want to start, uh, Pete? Ellen? Uh, let's go to Ellen in Blairsville, Georgia. Hey, Ellen. Hi there, Brian. Uh, I have three things uh, I'd like to say. And first, hello, and thank you for being you. First one is uh, these guys quitting uh, the Tom Cruise production. Yeah. Uh, 
I grew up being yelled at. I'm 75, grew up in an immigrant union worker area. Everybody yelled. So I, I hope we're not going to make these, not you, uh, these fellows into martyrs and victims. Uh, I would say get over it. Secondly, uh, I really appreciate the book reviews you do and your own books, but uh, we've so far gotten just about, I think, every book we've heard interviewed. Wow. That you've done. Really. Uh, and uh, either from the library, have to have full disclosure. We haven't bought them all, but we've gotten them, either bought them or got them from the uh, library. And then three, uh, the way you do your best of on the holidays uh, instead of running us through old news and entire programs that you seem to pick the best of your interviews and do those. Some of them we haven't heard. Some of them they're worth hearing a second or a third time. So thank you for uh, making the best ofs on the holidays something that you look forward to. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and plus I, I always figure that you probably can't hear every show, and especially for three hours. So you never know when that interview is going to pop up. Uh, and Eric was able to put that together, and uh, Allison and Peter were able to log and find out the generic interviews that are not going to sound dated. So uh, we hopefully will put that together so people will sample the show during the holiday and say, when I go back to work or back to school, I'm still going to listen to that show. Jay Winnick next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. A San Francisco school uh, is thinking about renaming a school named after Abraham Lincoln. They're saying this uh, is going to happen because uh, the former president did not demonstrate that black lives matter to him. And, and he's not all, uh, the only one on the chopping block. Teddy Roosevelt and Dianne Feinstein. Yeah, her, she's going to lose her elementary school because she left the uh, Confederate flag, allowed it to fly outside City Hall too long. George Washington is going to be, uh, school is going to be renamed. 44 of the 125 schools in the San Francisco Unified School District will be renamed, including Herbert Hoover High School. Unbelievable what's going on here. By the way, Diane Feinstein in the same in the same sentence with Teddy Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln. I know I've heard it all. That is a report from California, but it's now a national story. San Francisco is going to rename a high school because it's named Abraham Lincoln High School, arguably our best president, because black lives didn't matter to him enough. Here to try to make sense of this is Jay Winnick, best-selling author. He wrote uh, 1944, but... He also wrote April 1865. He could bring us right to that moment uh, at the end of the Civil War. Jay Winnick, are you astounded as you jaw on the floor as his story unfolded? Well, I think it's very unfortunate. The fact is, is we should be honoring and celebrating Abraham Lincoln, not stripping his name from the school. I mean, think of what Lincoln did. He fought a great Civil War. He saved the Union. He ended slavery with the great moral legacy of the Emancipation Proclamation promulgated in 1862, and he gave us the 13th Amendment that eradicated slavery for all of time. 
And in the end, what he did as much as anything else is he saved democracy, which is so precious to us as all as Americans. Now, again, as I said, we should be celebrating that and we should be honoring that. Does it mean he's perfect? Was there colonization where he recommended we send African-Americans back to where where they were brought against their will? Did he look to push him to the Caribbean and to Haiti? Yeah, he just said blacks and whites aren't getting along. Do you, we apologize. How would you like a fresh start? Obviously, no one's going to defend colonization, but he's a person of his times, Jay. And, 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 and the fact is, is he wasn't for colonization per se. He was wrestling with different ideas for how to solve the problem of what to do about slavery. And yes, he was a person of his time, but he was also a person way ahead of his time. And that's because he gave us the Emancipation Proclamation. He did free the slaves. And he did all this in a war that cost some 620,000 lives. That's more lives than we lost in any of the other wars in history. And if there's any greater sign of his commitment to helping out the plight of the blacks, it was that fact alone. And one of the biggest things to happen is with his death, his assassination, there was nobody there to guide the South through this transition. Instead, you had this raging, racist, drunk Andrew Johnson who took over. And Ulysses S. Grant basically saved the country from uh, from even a more hellacious post-World War era. Right. I mean, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is they didn't have the political touch that Abraham Lincoln had. And, you know, it, again, if there's one is looking for proof of what Lincoln, how he cared about the plight of the blacks and, and the slaves, is he, he literally gave his life for the cause. You know, during the Civil War, he used to roam the halls of the White House, muttering over and over to himself, I must have relief from this anxiety or it will kill me. Well, it almost did kill him. But what, in, what killed him in the end was a, an assassin's bullet from John Wilkes Booth after the second inaugural when Lincoln talked about with charity for all and justice for all. And that was when Wilkes Booth growled, well, that means Negro citizenship. Actually, he used the N-word. And, um, but in the end, uh, Lincoln gave his life for that great cause. Yes. If, if he was good enough for Frederick Douglass to call a friend, if Frederick Douglass was able to come visit him and was expedited right up the stairs to see him past sitting senators, if they combined together to talk about how to get uh, African-Americans into the armed forces, into their own unit, if he's good enough for Frederick Douglass, how could he not be good enough for a San Francisco high school? Well, it really is unfortunate. I mean, what we're seeing is, is rather than learning from history, we're sanitizing it. And what we need is we don't need less You're history. Judging we don't need to take names off. We need more history. And we need to understand the strengths and weaknesses of our leaders. And we need to be able to appreciate the nuances and distinctions. And I think it would be very unfortunate indeed if our young people don't get the lesson out of this, that rather than understanding history, we just wipe it away. That would not be good for our our nation. I mean, did you ever think we'd get here where you have to justify naming a school for George Washington or Abraham Lincoln? No, it's it's almost unfathomable. And, you know, I've been thinking about that um, since since we decided to do this show, Brian. And I was thinking about FDR for a second. I mean, in FDR, what we see is a man who's widely regarded as the third greatest president. He fought World War II. He tamed the Depression. He defeated Hitler. These are great <clears throat> legacies, but there's also a moral stain on his record. He, he interned Japanese-Americans in camps out west on often the flimsiest of evidence. And then when given evidence of the terrible genocide unfolding 
at Auschwitz and other death, death camps where there was an attempt to systematically wipe out the entire Jewish race. Uh, FDR failed to bomb Auschwitz or the train tracks to Auschwitz. Now, is anybody proposing removing his name from schools? No. And the reason is, is because we see it in context. And I think we have to do the same thing with Abraham Lincoln. What about his... Yeah, go uh, ahead. The fact of the matter is, is presidents make difficult decisions. They're not perfect. They have to make hard trade-offs. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, everyone's like, if Lincoln really wanted to free the slaves, he would have done it right away. Not really. Because politically back then in America and around the world where slavery was prevalent, if you just came in and freed the slaves, a lot of, a lot of people in the North wouldn't have fought for that reason. But when, once they saw what was happening and what they were fighting for, he had to pick the right time to unleash the Emancipation Proclamation. Don't you agree? That's absolutely right. I mean, there was, there was no support for it in the beginning. I mean, if he, had, if he had suggested actually fighting that war in behalf of eradicating slavery, um, he, would, he would not have been able to fight the war itself. So um, one has to see how he became – he was really a, a great politician and a great tacticianer, and he bided his time. As he put it, he told his cabinet, we need a great military victory, and then I can do it. And that military victory came at Antietam, which was the bloodiest day in American history. And after that, he then – that was when he promulgated the Emancipation Proclamation. Didn't get one Southern vote. Uh, the state seceded rather than be uh, governed by him, and then he fought to keep them and get them back. It all began in South Carolina. Now, his relationship with Native Americans, like every president, this was a major issue. So why don't they look at him uh, in a positive light? Um, well, I think it's it, it's unfortunate because they're, they're they're not seeing it in context. They're taking one issue and using that to define everything. You know, you have to see the broad, the broad, uh, the broad array of, of different things that a president has to weigh. If you think of Harry Truman, for example, when FDR died, Truman became president. He had to figure out a way to bring the the war with Japan to a close, and so they looked at the possibility of a ground invasion, and they realized that would cost some 500,000 American lives up to a million. So it was then that Truman, having said, when you deal with a beast, you have to treat him like a beast, that he unfortunately had to drop the atom bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Presidents have to make trade-offs. What Lincoln did was he got things right on the big things, which was union, which was democracy, which was eradicating slavery. 1864, the Lincoln administration oversaw the deportation of the Navajo tribe. There was a big push out west. Tribe was also forced to march 450 miles uh, to New Mexico. So in the in the Native American world, just like uh, Andrew Jackson, um, not as severe, he, they weren't looked at positively. But every president had to deal with American Indian issues, uh, some of which the violence was perpetrated uh, by the Native Americans, some of which wasn't and was a response and vice versa. But if you say today, well, wait a second, what was the problem with Native Americans? Why well, we get along fine now? Well, do you have to go back in time? We also got along with we get along with England now. We were, had fought two wars against England. So things change, things evolve, and presidents made decisions. So, you know, I obviously James K. Polk, uh, we fight Mexico, but guess who was a critic of the span that war, the Mexican War? Uh, Abraham Lincoln, a congressman. James hey. K. Polk, uh, was he wrong? I don't know. Was Lincoln right? I don't know. But I'm no judge. I study. Why do, why do people—I I just don't get it. I, I cannot believe we're in this era. 
Well, we're living in a time where, where history, unfortunately, is becoming sanitized as opposed to understood, where we're losing our ability to make nuances and distinctions. You know, I've been thinking about this thing with Lincoln a little bit, and and I was reminded of what the reaction was to the 13th Amendment when that was promulgated. And I think this is important for, for all Americans to know and to study and to appreciate. When the 13th Amendment was passed in the House, imagine that scene for a second. There were spectators in the gallery, and they were just ecstatic. They were hugging each other. They were singing. They were crying. Outside of the House itself, there was a 100-gun salute. And one young boy kind of summed up how people felt about Abraham Lincoln and what he was doing to help, to help the former slaves. This young boy said, I am free because of Father Abraham. I am free as a bird. Imagine that, just how remarkable that scene was. Yeah, the the 13th Amendment uh, gave everyone equal rights, and then it was up to enforce those rights. Uh, Here's how it reads. Neither slavery nor voluntary servitude except at punishment for crime, aware of the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States of America. Is it your belief, Jay Winnick, that it was up to us to live up to our Constitution, uh, or do you think our Constitution had to change? Well, well, we had to we had to change the Constitution because the Constitution was built and premised on acceptance of slavery at the outset. But, but the basic thrust of the Constitution, equality for all, a rule of law, all the rest. I mean, that 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 is a document that has stood us for really time immemorial since the founding of the nation. So you look at James Madison, you look at James Monroe, you look at George Washington. Um, you look at uh, our early presidents, uh, uh, obviously Andrew Jackson. They, outside John Adams, they all had slaves. But the other things that we would not be the country we are today without them. That's why people say, I'm going to name this field, I'm going to name this school, I'm going to name this road after these historic figures. I think people are under the impression they have to be perfect. And, and, and they don't have to be perfect. I mean, I, I think some of the beauties of history is understanding these leaders not only just for their strengths but for their weaknesses. You know, I've always been drawn to the example of Thomas Jefferson. And, of course, Thomas Jefferson bought slaves, owned slaves, and sold slaves his entire life. But as he put it, he said, we have the wolf by the ears and we can neither hold him nor let him go. Uh, But Jefferson was also the author of the Declaration of Independence, really one of the great documents in all of human history. And, of course, he was among one of our most important founding fathers or founders. And the fact is, is we need to understand Jefferson, appreciate him in all his very dimensions, his strengths and his weaknesses. Uh, Jay Winnick, the the book is 1865, to put it all in perspective. Uh, Bottom line, Jay, if you went to Abraham Lincoln High School, would you be proud to call that your high school? I, w- I would be very proud indeed, and, and I, think, I think all young people should be as well. And I think if we get to, ever get to a point where, um, because of some imperfections, um, uh, I think that would be just a, it, it, would be, it would be unfortunate indeed. And, uh, and again, as I said, with FDR, there are some stains on his moral legacy as well, and yet we don't apply that test to him. And, um, and, and Lincoln, just if only for his common humanity, um, he remains our greatest president or one of our two greatest presidents. All right, Jay Winnick, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Have a great holiday. Have a great holiday, Brian. Always wonderful to be on your fantastic show. All right, great. Jay Winnick, appreciate it. When we come back, your calls, one 408 7669 Busy day. We close out an insanely busy week as we wait for Moderna to get the green light and officially start going into the arms of Americans. 
Getting past all the rhetoric, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, well, welcome back. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. Let's go to the phone. Sally listening on KFTK in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Sally. Uh, Excuse me, my bad. Let's go to line three. WLNI is where we have, in Virginia, is where we have Debbie. Hey, Debbie. Debbie, can you hear me? All right, we'll try uh, Try well to see if the lines are down. Uh, Tom, WIBX in Little Falls, New York. Yes. Tom, you're I'm on. Here. I'm doing all right. Uh, my point is changing all of the names of these statues and the schools yep. and everything. This reminds me of the book 1984, where they're wiping out all traces of history so they, so they can make new history every day. The main character, he was, wrote news, and he would write whatever the big bosses told him, whether it's true or not. So, like I say, this is like right out of 1984. All right, Tom, thank you. We're not going to let that happen. We're going to keep pounding it. Debbie, uh, listen on WLNI, are you there now? Yes, I am here. That um, I was going to say about the um, taking the taking the uh, the vaccine or not, but I, I did want to respond to another guy that had came on after, um, and you had a, a conversation with him um, about taking the pill or the vaccine. It's just like, you know, like you said, if you're going to if you're going to drive, you're going to take the risk, um, yeah. you know, it's up to the individual. I don't think it should be mandatory to anybody. If you don't want to take it, don't take it. If you want to take it. And, it, you know, when when uh, New Year's happens, the most accidents happen that day when driving and we don't take vehicles away from people. It's all about, you know your rights and what you, what you want to do with your life. The other thing I want to say, though, let me just is, add this. They, they might not let you get on a plane if you don't take it, though. Okay, well, then I guess if you're not going to take it, then you're not going to fly. I mean, these are the choices you have to make, correct? Yep. Yeah. So the other thing I was going to say is you had a guy call, and um, he, you know, he was all for Trump fighting it through and, you know, seeing it through and the the Constitution and the laws, and we have this. And it seems to me like you are so quick to dismiss, and I'm not trying to be rude, but it's almost like you are – sometimes saying the same narratives as the fake news. And why don't we see this through? Maybe it has never happened before. Maybe we haven't seen it. But but Trump is a president who has done so many things that have never been done before. Why are we not following it through, following the laws? And when you say they don't have enough, they don't have enough numbers. They don't. The, the other the other side of it is saying that you only need one senator to stand up, and then it goes to the legislature. Why don't we let that? Why don't we let it go through? Why well, let, me, let me ask you something. So, yeah. so Joe Biden, how many votes do you think Joe Biden got? Did, did, did Joe Biden steal 9 million votes? You know, I would say, I, I don't know if it's 9 million, but I know that there's, it's more than, more than he needed to win. 
I haven't seen it. I have not seen unless the Dominion machines could be proven erroneous. The anecdotes they have, the, the things that they have, do not add up to 159,000 votes in Michigan. Uh, do not add up to enough in Nevada. So I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you might not like a court decision, but the courts, a lot of them are Trump judges. So, and just to uh, create anarchy on the, on the House floor uh, seems just uh, more like venting than, uh, than a, a quest to victory. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Teresa Payton is going to be with us shortly. Uh, you know Teresa. She's from the White House Chief Information Officer, real expert on cybersecurity authority and identity theft expert. And we know what just happened, and we believe the Russians are responsible. They say it's the biggest breach and the biggest hack in the history of our country against our country. Dana Perino at the bottom of the hour. So we have a lot to discuss. If you missed it this morning, and a great symbolism, not exactly Elvis taking the polio vaccine, but the Vice President of the United States and the Second Lady got, a vac- uh, got her their vaccine shots from Pfizer today. There is some type of uh, delivery issues. They're trying to get to the bottom of uh, the general Perna in charge. We'll try to find out about that. And we do expect Moderna to start being delivered into the arms of Americans at some point this weekend. So an exciting time as the deaths and hospitalizations rise. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. It's pretty hard to distinguish this from an act of aggression that rises to the level of an attack that qualifies as war. This is as destructive and broad scale an engagement with our military systems, our intelligence systems, as has happened in my lifetime. That is Chris Coons, a possible Russian hack, as we're going to discuss with Teresa shortly. And the China threat make me wonder if the world is taking advantage of our division here at home. And in Swalwell news, he's gone silent about his ties to China and that Chinese spies, which cast doubt about him as a person and his party. Number two. How do you expect these people to survive? How are restaurants going to survive? Once you are in our program, we will pay whatever you need, the, the necessities you need, the money you need to get through this thing and give you a fair chance to run your business. Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool, the fight against the lockdown lunacy gets some high-profile help. He set up a fund. So, so many of you helped out the GoFundMe pages when restaurateurs and gym owners have gone to the microphone and the camera. Meanwhile, Anthony Fauci again blurry on what he recommends for Christmas. Number one. We have great confidence in our son. Uh, I am not concerned about any accusations been made against him. It's used to get to me. I think it's kind of foul play. Uh, there you go. Uh, the Joe Biden talking about Hunter Biden. Problem is, Stephen Colbert did not ask a good question. He does know the answer. And it's not about Hunter. It's about what Joe knows about Hunter and what he benefited from. And we'll discuss all that with the new revelations with emails and text messages. But first things first, uh, let's bring in uh, Teresa Payton, former White House Chief Information Officer from 06 to 08, Cybersecurity Authority and Identity Theft Expert, C- uh, CEO and founder of Fort Lease, Fort Lease uh, Solutions. Teresa, welcome back. 
Oh, thanks for having me back. It's always great to speak with you, Brian. Yeah, well, Teresa, could you put a perspective what you know that we should know? And we understand lawmakers being briefed at this hour, so there's a lot we don't, we're not sure of yet. What did the what though are the Russians possibly responsible for? Yeah, it is possible that it is Russia. I mean, the investigation is ongoing, so attribution isn't confirmed yet. Uh, Russia, for the record, denies it as they typically do. Um, but here's here's my concern, Brian, and it's based on what we know, but it's based on everything we don't know right now. If I put this on a scale of one to ten, ten being you can never trust the network or systems again, I'm at a nine. And a lot of that's based on the unknowns. What we do know so far is that you didn't have to be a user of the SolarWinds product to be potentially caught up in this cyber incident. The other thing that we know is the attackers seem to be able to create their own version of what we call in the industry the God door or God access. And by creating that, they basically fooled multi-factor authentication, that two-factor authentication that many people use. And it's like they had a global digital passport to do whatever they wanted, and it didn't set off alarms in any of the major uh, companies and government organizations despite the cybersecurity products that are there, which means they had that God access. So what do you think they want? I mean, part of this was the nuclear division of our government. What else do you think they want? Well, this is very interesting to me because whoever is doing this, um, which is why it sort of seems like Russia, they're playing the long game. I mean, right now the investigation indicates that this could have been going on since March of 2020, which is right around the time that in America we were sending many workers that could work from home to work from home. Uh, and setting up all kinds of infrastructure and expanding infrastructure to allow that to happen. Uh, And so it could be that they just want intelligence. They could no longer have their boots on the ground, embedded human spies interacting with individuals. So they may have turned to digital purposes to actually spy on us and get intelligence. There could be more going on here, though, Brian. There could be espionage. They could be inserting deep fake forgeries of documents. They could be taking communications. Uh, We know for now they've been looking at the Internet infrastructure communications around 5G and, you know, upgrades that we're doing. It could be just a lie in wait. And when we threaten them with something, they threaten us back only in the cyber domain. So until the investigation is finalized. We're not really going to be sure what the motives are of these cyber operatives. Richard Clark, you know him, uh, famously 9-11, apologized to the families. Uh, On CNN today, uh, during the Bush era, he was there. He said this about the attack as we know it, Cut 25. This is the largest espionage attack in history. This is as though the Russians got a pass key, a skeleton key, for about half the locks in the country. Think about it that way. Yeah, it's 18,000 companies and uh, government institutions scattered around the U.S. and the world. Uh, This is an espionage attack. As far as we know, the reason they got in was to steal information from the U.S. government. And the way they got in meant they also got into a bunch of private companies. So that's basically even worse than many people think. It is worse than many people think. And and Richard Clark, he's such a great uh, mentor and friend. I interviewed him for my book, Manipulated. And, I mean, when he he doesn't sound the alarm uh, very easily, Brian. And he is alarmed. I am alarmed. 
My concern is this is not going to be a one and done cleanup. Uh, this is going to be something that will impact us for years to come because of the type of access they have to the systems. Um, one of the things that I, I want everybody to take away that's listening to this is that every government organization and every business down to a small business um, needs to take heed. And there's a lot of great free advice and free resources available to make sure that your company is not a target to get to somebody else. And so there's some great resources that have been published by the FBI, by DHS, the CISA uh, division, as well as Microsoft. And so I really applaud uh, the work that's been going on to really try and help people make heads or tails of this. But I got to tell you, Brian, this is going to be very expensive to clean up and eradicate. Who's going to pay for this? This should not rest on the shoulders of businesses who are already burdened right now. Well, put it this way. Remember, Sony got that hack, right, from North Korea. Why, mm -hmm. why is a taxpayer in charge of getting Sony's cyber defense up? Sony should be investing in that. Where, how does that work? No, it, what's interesting, too, is so, you know, when governments argue uh, businesses and you and me as individuals, we end up being, um, you know, kind of the, the side carnage. And it's really unfortunate and unfair. I mean, think about how many people pay for identity theft protection. Why, why is that on our shoulders to have to deal with? And this really speaks to not only do businesses you know, need to make the right investments here, but we need international accords, Brian, because you and I both know when Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, who are the typical um, you know, kind of nation states that will do things like this, that doesn't mean lone wolves and cyber criminals don't as well. Um, but if they flew a jet into our airspace or a ship or a submarine into our um, oceans, and they didn't have permission to do so, we would, you know, we have laws that help with repercussions. And the international community would say, that's not okay. You know, if somebody just dropped in from another country and started taking things out of stores, we would say that was a burglary. But when it becomes something in the digital domain, we all say, oh, this is terrible. But there's no repercussions. So this is where the international community really needs to start putting accords in place. And you know what? If this ends up being Russia and Putin says, oh, well, you know, we don't condone these types of attacks. Well, fine. Then, Putin, why don't you condemn the attacks and why don't you actually bring justice and let's have an opportunity to actually discuss what the penalties are going to be for the cyber operatives who did this. Yeah. So, by the way, here's it through the interpreter. Vladimir Putin was asked about this yesterday. Cut 19. This reminds me very much what was happening in 2016. Remember who called those hackers uh, criminals uh, related to the intelligence services of Russia. Those were the CIA and others. So it was at their behest that this was done. So obviously not taking responsibility for it. If it is Russia, um, number one, General Keene told me this morning he's on a cyber security board, and of course he's a military guy, but he said, we have great offense, we don't have great defense, which blows me away. Uh, number two, we, we have to learn from this. People have to know there's a risk to doing this. And yet we're the, we're the biggest, strongest guy in the playground, and people have no problem walking up to us and taking swings at us. How did that happen? Yeah, again, a lot of it I liken to we haven't uh, had our laws and our treaties and our international organizations keep up with this. And, you know, we saw the breakdown in international cooperation, you know, kind of in the days and weeks as COVID started to, you know, kind of hit 
the world um, and, you know, the, the information not being shared uh, with the world so that everybody could, you know, really respond very quickly in January and February, right? And so we see the same thing now in the digital domain. And I think what people need to take away from this is, is we have on the cybersecurity and Intel side, there are so many talented men and women, many um, systems in place, uh, but we have to get it right every minute of the day. They only have to get it right once. And every time we lock them out, they don't just say, you know, this is really hard. I, I should do something else with my time, like maybe watch Star Wars movies, Brian, yeah. um, or, you know, or something, or but, the Mandalorian series. They just figure out a way to get around those defenses. Teresa Payton with a cybersecurity expert, uh, worked for President Bush. Teresa, what I was explained to me, too, is we do hit back. We don't announce it. So having said that, how do you go ahead and tell the American people there'll be a price to pay for this at the same time you make this uh, this penetrating uh, attack that maybe you don't want publicized? Well, I think one of the things you can do is, and, and we have from time to time actually publicized that our Department of Defense units, who are our um, experts at um, cyber offense and cyber defense, have actually you know, published from time to time that they have engaged with nation-state cyber operatives and told them things like, we know who you are, sort of step away from the keyboard and nobody gets hurt. Uh, and so I, w- we will, and my advice um, to the current administration and the incoming administration is to have those discussions with Department of Defense and put the international community on notice to say, you know, whoever did this, there will be times where we will take an offensive strike back. And, you know, we don't want to be chastised when we do that. But we will defend and protect our nation's interests. And that includes the Internet infrastructure. Teresa Payton, thanks so much. Truly appreciate your expertise. Sadly, we keep needing it. Cybersecurity Authority and Identity Theft Expert. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brian. You got it. Have a great uh, have a great holiday. Meanwhile, when we come back, I'll take your calls on this and so much more. The Hunter Biden revelations, they actually reference in these text messages the need to get Joe involved. How much more proof does everybody need that this matters to the country? Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. China is running a huge influence operation, as we've seen over the last couple of days revealed with the Eric Swalwell. Well, it gets a lot more serious than Eric Swalwell, because you've got Gina McCarthy and Natural Resources Defense Council and probably other environmental groups. And, you know, a couple of years ago, as you mentioned, Congress was investigating whether China is funding these groups to basically wreck America through their advocacy for regulation, especially climate regulation. You know, climate is the big deal. Climate, as President Trump has pointed out, it's got nothing to do with the environment. It's got nothing to do with the climate. It's all about, you know, ensnaring the American economy in onerous regulation that's going to make us less competitive versus Europe, but will help, you know, China meet its goal of being the lone superpower by 2049. So that's Steve Malloy. He's the former Trump EPA transition member. So listen, Steve Malloy is bringing up something. Uh, listen, is it amazing 
that China's saying if the Democrats get may uh, accomplish their policy initiative, it makes America weaker. So we got to make sure they get it. That's why they're supporting these young, what they label young up-and-coming lawmakers, the Roe Kahana, the Tulsi Gabbard, and in this case, Eric Swalwell. And as we heard from Rick Grinnell, who we should probably try to get on, Rick Grinnell, former ambassador to Germany, former acting DNI director, this is just the tip of the iceberg. People should understand. It's easy to get partisan on this, but I hope we can unite around this common enemy. There's a reason why they have a space probe on the moon. They're stealing our stuff. There's a reason why they have an, uh, an F, uh, they're a fighter jet is a direct knockoff of the F-35 because they stole the plans. They have a Mars probe that has everything except the red, white, and blue flag on it. Jeff, listen to WCHV in Charlottesville, Virginia. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, getting back to all these businesses closed in New York yep. and and California and all that stuff. I feel bad for these folks because they're suffering. But haven't they shot themselves on the, in the foot? You know, they keep electing these liberal left-wing politicians like de Blasio and Como and, you know, and even AOC won by a landslide. And look, she ran Amazon and how many thousands of jobs out of the city? You know, so, you know, I feel bad for anybody suffering. I know what it's like. I lost my job for six months due to COVID. Um, Jeff, what about you guys in Virginia? Look at the idiot you guys elected. Mr. Blackface. He is terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, but you know, we, we're starting to look back on this and we've got these same Dominion voting machines and our last governor got more votes than any other man that ran for governor got more votes than anybody ever had yet Northam still beating. So, you know, I think this has been a long-term thing with these voting machines that has done this and rolled some of these states over because, you know, I'm in the biggest liberal city in Virginia, Charlottesville, and I can't name one person I know that voted for this governor. Thanks so much, Jeff. Appreciate it. If you want to know someone that does get it right, who probably many people didn't vote for him, was a very tight election, Governor Ron DeSantis. We've got your back if you're somebody who's a waitress or a cook or you're a family-owned business. You're an important part of our state. Uh, you're working folks who are working hard to make a living. You have every right to do that. Uh, and you can take it to the bank in the state of Florida. You're going to have that right uh, defended uh, by the governor. And they have protocols. You got to wear masks. You got to do You have to have your waitress do this waiter or waitress do the same thing in your hostess. But he's saying, I'm not going to destroy business while fighting the virus. And guess what? Florida's numbers a little bit less than most, a little bit more than some. But at the same time, they're not destroying their economy, begging for a cash bailout from the federal government because they're working through it. Their Disney's open. California's Disney may be closed forever. What's the difference? The governors. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back with Tana Perino in just a moment, and then we'll finish up with your calls. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
a radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. We have great confidence in our son. Uh, I am not concerned about any accusations been made against him. It's used to get to me. I think it's kind of foul play, but uh, look, it is what it is. And uh, he's a grown man. He is the smartest man I know. I mean, in pretty pure intellectual capacity. Um, and uh, and as long as he's good, we're good. Yeah, too bad uh, Stephen Colbert. And you would say normally, well, late night show, what do you expect? Maybe for Jimmy Fallon. But Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert know these issues inside and out. When there was stuff of this Russia investigation, they had the details. And they would try to screw these Republicans to the wall like Ted Cruz or those who choose to go on those shows. Or Chris Wallace when they erroneously think that he's there to defend those shows. But when you look at the ad, the exposure of these new text messages, some of which we had, some of which we didn't, but never were looked at outside our network. Bob Alinsky, as we know, he was brought in to run the family fi- uh, finances on these international fund that they were putting together. Here's a text message. Listen to this. Uh, Hunter's now ex-associates James Galar, Tony Bobolinsky, discussing a breakdown of the joint venture with the uh, Chinese energy company. Quote, the stakes appear to uh, the stakes are extremely high. He says this in a back and forth over the terms of the company. Gillar on May 11th, 2017 to Bobolinsky. Man, you're right. Let's get the company set up. Then tell Hunter and the family the stakes are high and get Joe involved. He goes on to say Jim Biden asked, what is the deal with Jim Biden? As he wasn't part of the discussion, but now seems a focal point. Galar answers, well, with Hunter's demons, it could be it would be good to have a backup. He strengthens our hand with Chinese as he looks like a truly family business and I like that dude. Joining us now, a person I really like, Dana Prino, host of The Daily Briefing today at 2, uh, coming up shortly, and co-host of The Five. And we know, too, Dana has got uh, some more news coming out, and it is called a book. It looks great. It's called Everything Will Be Okay, Life Lessons for Young Women uh, from a Former Young Woman. Best subtitle ever. Uh, take that, Greg Gutfeld. Dana, welcome. Hi. I, every time I hear the subtitle, I laugh. <laughs> I yeah, it's it. funny. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it but, gives it a little lift. <laughs> so, I mean, do you? I know you mentor a lot of people. Is that where they got the premise of this? Yes. Um, in fact, you know, it, it's interesting because the title would almost seem to uh, reference the pandemic and the, the strife that the nation is feeling right now. But it really was. And I started the book um, before the pandemic. And it was an attempt to try to help all these young women that I mentor. But I know there's, you know, I can't see everybody. My experience has been, Brian, you've got daughters, and they're too young now to have all of these anxieties. But young women that go through a quarter-life crisis where you feel like you're not able to achieve the dreams that you thought you wanted and you're not sure what you're going to do and you haven't met the right guy yet and everything is just slower than you thought and you feel stuck. We call it the quarter-life crisis. Unfortunately, what I've seen is that the quarter-life crisis is following young women well into their 30s and even into their 40s sometimes. And my goal is to help provide them with some practical advice and some reassurance on how they can not only do better in their careers, but also to feel um, more joyful in their lives and to be more confident because as, an, as educated American women, you know, they can write their own ticket right now. They just have to decide how hard they want to work. Yeah, uh, I have 17 and 19-year-olds. You, you think they're too young for your book? 
No, I don't think they're too young for the book. I I've actually thought your daughters were slightly younger than that. I haven't seen them in a while. Um, I think that for high school young women, especially the ambitious ones that you know want to get a jump start in their careers, all the way up through somebody who is starting uh, to work, and those who are starting to become managers or, or have ambition to be maybe in the corner office one day, um, and also for working moms. I added something in there. In this book, um, specific to working moms or those who want to become working moms and want to know how can you do it all and do it all as well as possible. Gotcha. And when's it coming out? This spring, right? comes out March 9th, but right now there's this promotion. If you go to this website called givedanabook.com, if you pre-order it, you get this certificate that you can put in someone's stocking that says the book's already been pre-ordered for them and it will arrive the week that it comes out, so they won't be late to the game genius awesome that's yeah, great yeah. yeah that's great uh so dana i gotta ask you just about uh, i am the last thing i want is another long investigation like the Mueller report iran contra whitewater i find them they very very mm-hmm. rarely do they yield results that benefit the country do you believe this hunter biden story has legitimate national security interests like i do i do i do and i've been surveying um some of my lawyer friends that have worked at the Department of Justice um, or have been around politics and at that federal level for a long time. And I've asked, do you think that this needs a special counsel or can it stay with the U.S. attorney? You know, is that enough? And it's been interesting. There are a few people who think that leaving it with the U.S. attorney works well, but I have to say that the majority of them have come down to the decision that a special counsel is needed, just given the implications of all of this. And I know that, to your point, they're not ideal. And they tend to sprawl off in different directions. And he brings in people that don't have anything to do with the investigation. But in this case, to me, there's just enough of the information that we've been able to find out as uh, journalists at Fox News that warrants digging a lot deeper and making sure that it's clean. And I have to say, if you are the new administration and you're coming in and you want to hit the ground running, they got to figure out a way to have some better answers than what Joe Biden said about his son last night. I know he loves his son. And I believe that he believes that he is the most intelligent person he knows. But there's an investigation that the FBI is conducting. And it looks to me like where there's smoke, there's fire. So they got to figure out a better way to answer some of these questions. So, Dana, it's ma- it's maddening to think that other reporters wouldn't follow this line of questioning. There's only one reporter, uh, our reporter, Peter Ducey, or whoever replaces him, who has an interest in this story. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen this? You do. You were press secretary. You had to be ready for a bunch of stories. I mean, this is not. This is a major story that doesn't involve opinion or an unnamed source. Text messages with a guy who put his hand up and sat down with Tucker Carlson for over an hour that ran the Biden family fund. Mm-hmm. Nobody went. To, do you think that'll change? Like, just look into your the Dana Perino crystal ball. Do you see at some point other networks saying, what did you know about the China, Ukraine, Romania, Kazakhstan story? I. I guess so. It's almost as if the more we talk about the media not covering it, the more that they refuse to. It's like um, asking a a kid, are you ready to come out of your room and apologize? And they just are like, no, they're happy to sit in their room and not say a word. Um, In the meantime, you're like, well, wait, this is supposed to be punishment. Um, 
I do think that some answers will be half will will be forthcoming mostly because an investigation like this now that it's public that it exists it doesn't just go away right there's there's likely to be something that happens whether it results in an indictment or they'll have to say actually we looked through everything and we found nothing and they let it go i find that hard to imagine i do too uh, i want you to hear what tom cotton said yesterday because it is relevant cut seven joe biden should have a press conference and address all this if you recall then yeah. president-elect donald trump had a press conference in early january and took all comers it was a classic he denounced the so-called dossier. He claimed there's no collusion, which was later established by none other than Robert Mueller himself. He tackled questions about his business. I think it was the first press conference in which he called Jim Acosta fake news, Tucker. That's exactly what Joe Biden needs to do. He needs to come out and speak to the press, speak to everyone in the press, and answer all their questions. See, and what I think is so terrible is that Joe Biden pivots to the family tragedy he definitely experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this is the anniversary mm-hmm. of the death of his daughter and his, his first wife. And mm-hmm. then that Bo, Bo dies of cancer. Hunter's got addiction. Well, one has really nothing to do with the other. And to point out tragedy in your life to avoid answering a question that involves national security uh, and integrity, I, I think is wrong. But that's what he keeps going back to. I think Tom Cotton has a good point, right? And I also think that if I were the Biden team's lawyers, I would not want Joe Biden to go out and do a full-fledged press conference because either he knows more than he's been willing to say so far, or he doesn't know as much as he probably should about it, and anything that he says could either hurt his son, hurt himself, etc. So I'm just saying from a lawyerly standpoint, on the Biden side, I would not think that a full press conference will happen. But, you know, the, the other thing that's interesting, Brian, is this Hunter Biden story, obviously, it's a big one to me, very big. And what because of it, the Biden team is not able to get off the ground with any of its um, transition news. If you think about some of their cabinet appointments, it's been pretty lackluster. There's still not really any good policy information. The uh, civil war within the progressives and the um, – not, I'm sorry, within, but be- between the progressives and the moderates on the Democratic side, like, it's really pretty bad. I mean, if they are – because of the Hunter Biden story, they are trying to start this marathon wearing 20-pound weights on their ankles, and they're going to tire out real quickly. But they never, they never get asked it. Uh, ever. I think Chris Coons got asked once and he just joked it away. So I want to bring mm-hmm. you to this story. In Congress, it looks like AOC wanted to be on the Energy and Commerce Committee and they had a secret vote and it was Kathleen Rice that got it. She got trounced 46 to 13, but, and it's a steering committee that she personally asked for and she didn't get it. Does that show she's not nearly as popular with her own caucus? Yes, she's a lot more popular on social media. Um, and you know what? She is an influential person, obviously. We talk about her a lot. And she's got some interesting ideas, um, <laughs> you know, to say the least. That's uh, very magnanim- magnanimous shows- of you. Interesting <laughs> ideas. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's like, a, you know, something you might say uh, to somebody that if you didn't want to offend them, but um, wanted to encourage them to keep trying. Um, yeah, so what happened is. The woman who won, Kathleen Rice, she did the 
old school way of trying to get approval and votes for her position. She called people. She reached out to them. She talked to them. She persuaded them. And AOC just kind of expected it to fall into her lap just because she's AOC. And it didn't work out for her. So it was probably a good lesson for her to learn, actually. So one person in the story came out and said it would have been a different result had this vote not been in secret. Because I guess the power oh, of her social yeah. media and her microphone. <laughs> uh, but, you know, again, when she, when she was there a week and walked out and, re- and announced the Green New Deal, and I saw Jacinda Markey behind her, I thought to myself, how do they even know her? This 28-year-old bartender comes out and says, I want to revamp the energy, uh, the energy policy of the number one country in the world. And they all lined up behind her. I thought, what does she know? What do they know? Do you re- Why are they there? Do you remember when her first week there, she um, had a sit-in in Nancy Pelosi's office? <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that. I've never seen anything quite like it. Uh, so, Dana, we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens in Georgia, January 5th, and then the president's way looking on January 6th. The Republicans are in a spot now, and I get it a lot with my callers. They want to look as though they're fighting for the president. But in reality— Judging by the rules of the game, this seems to be over. So what do you tell 75 million people that are crushed, almost taking it worse than even the president? Yeah. Well, you mean in terms of the Georgia races or overall? Overall. I think that one of the things that people really should keep in mind is just how narrow the loss was. Um, And against all odds, right, from a pandemic um, and, and the economy, even though the president still got good marks on the economy because it wasn't his fault that the pandemic uh, came to the shores. Then the loss was very, very narrow. And the president accomplished so much in four years. I mean, the list is quite long. He also helped develop a path to a new coalition that shows the Republicans a way to win in the future. And that is to you know, reach out to the working class to focus on them and bring in more Hispanics and African-Americans to vote for your position. Now, it was, he did much better with Latinos and, his, um, and Hispanics than with black Americans, but he did better in, with, with both categories. And so there's a path forward. And I, I think that the hurt is a really hard thing to get over, the disappointment. But the president got more votes than any other sitting Republican president. It's just that Joe Biden got a little bit more. And Joe Biden got a lot of the new voters. The other thing I would point out is that Republicans have to turn out to vote. In Georgia, Brian, 24,500 registered Republicans that voted in the primary in 2020 did not vote in the general election in 2020. 24,500. That would have been all the difference. Yep. In a, in a race in Georgia. So Republicans, you got to turn out to vote as well. The name of the book that Dana's going to be releasing shortly, but you can get now and have in your stocking, Everything Will Be Okay, Life Lessons for Young Women from a Former Young Woman. Uh, <laughs> Dana, thanks so much. We'll see you at 2, and then we'll see okay. you again on the 5. Okay, thanks, Brian. Thank you, Dana. Uh, meanwhile, we come back. Your call is one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. On election night, Trump was finally defeated. It's almost January. He still hasn't conceded from voter fraud lawsuits. There's just no escaping the parking lot of Four Seasons Total Landscaping. As the new Veep Carmela made history, how Joe broke his foot is still a mystery. Mike Pence's head was home to a fly. Giuliani's hair was dripping with dye. McConnell's hands are turning blue. Melania hates Christmas too. Trump turned his back on all of his lackeys while we got the hots for Steve Kornacki. The only thing scarier than Kellyanne Conway was that week where we thought we might have President Kanye. That was fantastic. Holy. That was fantastic, wasn't it? The guy has musical talent. You can't deny that. Right. I mean, but he didn't win genre. Well, the thing is, though, that was that was well well written, I think, more than anything else. That is uh, James Corden. And I was just saying the late night shows are just so dead. You you really need a live audience. And I watched Seth Meyers uh, just like they had a clip on Mediaite. So I said, let me just listen to this. This is a guy that writes for a living, was on SNL, obviously. He just rushed through his bad impersonation of Jon Stewart's Daily Show to the point where he ate all of his punchlines, whatever they were. And they're so eccentric, even Dennis Miller would have, uh, so esoteric, even Dennis Miller would have had trouble finding out how they were related. But they're all going to be exposed. Guess what? Without Donald Trump every night. What the heck are they going to be talking about? What is Colbert going to do? Yeah. I mean, that's the only way. He was no, they were going to cancel him until Trump won the election. Thanks so much for listening. Go to BrianKilmead.com. Order any of my books. I'll sign and send them. And BrianKilmeadShow.com, where you can listen at any time and order the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or iHeart. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.